0: Welcome back to Strictly Footy Lads, second Pod of the week. Uh, so how these ones are going to work is we still got the Wednesday and Sunday pods for you boys as always. But Tom and I are going to do our own little segment, probably just 20 to 30 minutes, quick listens instead of the long format podcasts. And we're going to get them out to you sometime during the week. There's no set day for them. Uh, just depends if there's some big news that we want to talk about. Uh, we might just hop on a super pod and use that as our topic for the week. Obviously, Tom, very happy that they got the Fainu Brothers. That's what his Superpod was about. I believe it was out on Thursday, I want to say. But, um, oh no, Wednesday. I'm pretty sure it was late Wednesday. Um, So if you haven't listened to that already, definitely go over. And basically just just hear his thoughts on um, the future direction of the Tigers uh, based off this signing. Obviously, as a Manly fan, it's a very hard pill to swallow, um, but yeah, we're going to have to move on from it. Didn't want to spend my whole episode talking about Manly, so had to come up with a fresh idea, so I'm going to be talking about some of the weaknesses that each club has in the NRL, uh, where they can improve, whether that just be in-game performances, management, um, you know, signings in key positions, uh, things like that. Just before we start, I do want to ask you guys just to bear with me. Uh, Tom has been the technical side of this podcast since day dot, so it's gonna get a little bit. Uh, it's gonna take a little bit of getting used to. Uh, just listening to myself talk with the headphones on. Usually it's Tom, so he's had some time to get used to that. That's um, a little bit delayed as well. So if I lose my train of thought or stumble, that'll be the reason why. But promise you guys, I will improve over time. Now, without further ado, I've done this by ladder position, so if you want to just listen to your team, um, like I said, it's a super pod, seven, eight teams, it'll only be a minute or two on each team, but um, head to the NRL ladder, see where your team's sitting, and you can skip to it based off that, so if I'm talking about the Eels when you skip to it, and you're a, let's say, Knights fan, you've got to keep going forward, etc., Um so, first place on the ladder at the moment, we have the Penrith Panthers. Now, it's very difficult, let's just say, to criticize what the Penrith Panthers are doing. And um, this isn't exactly a bad problem to have. But I, th- I just think at the moment, they have too much to fit in. And I know it sounds stupid, and it, it's actually a good problem to have. But there's there's just nothing that you can take a deal at the Penrith Panthers for. Um... Club-wise, I mean, you can have a go at their character, everyone does, but at the end of the day, they're just a very well-run club, and basically, this whole little bit's just going to be about how they're going to fit Dylan Edwards and Jerome Lawai into this squad. Now, obviously, we thought that they were going to have to let go of a few a few key role players that were off-contract at the end of this season to fit both Lawai and Edwards' contracts under the salary cap, but, you know, the likes of Hosking, the likes of Taruva, the likes of, you know, Scott Sorensen, has been incredible this year, and a lot of them have earned themselves new contracts, and, we're just wondering, I know Tom's wondering the same thing, we're just wondering how they're going to fit Jerome Lawi and Dylan Edwards, under the salary cap now, considering, they were already struggling to fit them in, without those re-signings, so, is it a little bit of a tough problem to have, um, They also just have a plethora of juniors wanting to come through. And even some guys coming back from injury, like, how are they going to fit Taylor May into this squad? Like, he had a breakout year in 2022. Obviously, he did his ACL in the uh, World Club Challenge against St. Helens earlier this year. But Taruva's been killing it. So, do they bring him straight back onto the wing and Taruva's gone? That'd be unfair on Taruva because I feel like he's been solid for them this year. Uh, does he plug into the centres where Crichton is? But even then, you've got, you got guys like Jack Cole that they've signed until 2026. Uh, so they're clearly confident in him. He can play six, he can play in the centres. got Tom Jenkins, who's been playing pretty good footy when he's filled in, uh, you know, when Tom and Crichton have been out uh, on origin duties. Still got Peachy there for cover. Um, Jesse McLean is another guy they've got coming through. Like, There's just a lot to fit in for Penrith Panthers. It'll be very interesting to see where they go. Um, I know that's kind of a little bit of a dud uh, to start off with, but like I said, it's hard to take a dig at the Penrith Panthers. Now, the Brisbane Broncos, and obviously their biggest weakness in my eyes at the moment is their performances against top eight teams. Not top eight teams, sorry. Top teams let's just say, obviously they started off the season with quite an easy draw, let me just go to their draw, so I can pull up some of their results, quite an easy draw, and they took on some of the easier teams at the time, they beat the Dragons, they beat the Dolphins, they beat the Tigers, they beat the Titans, and then it got to a bit of a Got to a bit of a rough patch there uh, for some of their players. And obviously still a young team, weren't even in the eight this year. So they're overachieving this year, right? But against South, they got demolished. Against Melbourne, they, they lost. Against Penrith the next week, they lost. Um, and since then, they've had good, a, a pretty easy run. So we'll see how they go against South this week. I uh, know Latrell's out, but I'd still put South as... A top team, um, but yeah, I just don't think the Broncos' performances against those guys—it's—it's it's all well and good to do that in the normal season, but when it hits finals time and the prelims and the semi-finals, if you're coming up against the Melbourne or Penrith, like the seasoned, po- like the seasoned postseason, like basically proven clubs in finals footy you need to be showing that you can you can match it with the best and so far i think the broncos still need to do that um i think they're probably a hooker away from being like fa- almost favorites to win the comp um obviously billy walls is you could say that's unfair on him um, Definitely improved his game a lot over the last two years since leaving the Tigers and becoming the Broncos starting nine. But I do just feel like they need someone better there going forward. They've got they've got they've got everything else. They've got a, a nice uh, kicking game, halfback, perfect game manager. They've got that alpha in the forward pack in Payne Haas, even Pat Carrigan. You could you could say that. Got a young young superstar electric players in reese Walsh. Uh, Ezra Mam obviously Herbie Farmless leaving. They got Cobbo, like they've got a lot at this club. Uh, I think they're just they're just one serviceable nine away from away from really really contending in the NRL. Um, I do think they are contenders this year. I just wouldn't have them as favourites. On to the next team, we have the Melbourne Storm. Now, I think it's obvious what the difference is between the Melbourne Storm this year and the Melbourne Storms of last year. And I know you can say Pappenhausen's out, but he has been doing a great job. I think it's just the experience in the forward pack and just basically all over the park. Um, they've been taking hits every single year. Like the year they lost Slater, then they lost Cronk, um, Smith retired, But this year they lost the Kafusi, they lost Kafusi, they lost the Bromwich boys. They lost Fanukan the year before that. They're just losing a lot, especially in that forward pack. And uh, it's going to take some guys for those, some time for those younger guys to uh, develop those leadership skills going forward, become those you know seasoned vets that I think Melbourne need at the moment. I don't think they have enough. you can you can claim that Munster's been around for a while and he needs to take over that role. I think he's been good this year though, but they I think they do just need that little bit more more experience um just just around the team um to bring them back to how they've like the last few seasons they've almost been the team to beat throughout the whole regular season so. I think Melbourne just just need that and um, yeah, that, that, that would be my recommendation for Melbourne. Either sign some seasoned vets or really start to focus on the leadership of the club because right now, like your Nelson, is a great player. Your King's a very good player. katoa um, has been pretty good this year. loiero has been good this year, but they just they just don't have the experience and leadership qualities that the Bromwich has the Kafusis, the Yafinukins had. So I I think that's Melbourne's problem going forward. Uh, For the Canberra Raiders, I think they just fade in and out of games way too much. And they're too reliant on how good their team is. Not on how good the team they're versing is, let's say. Because we've seen them go to that level where they can take on the top teams. They're playing the Broncos. They beat the Broncos earlier this year. And um, they've had some games where they've played top teams where they've just been really, really good. Um, they beat South earlier this year. They beat Para, Um Like, they've taken it to some big clubs. But then they come up against teams like like the Dragons, and they struggled to beat them. Uh, They got smashed by the Warriors, had a close game with the Tigers, no disrespect to them, got smacked by Meanly, almost lost to the Bulldogs, almost lost to the Dolphins. It's just, where's the consistency? Why, Why is it that when you're playing a top team, you can get to their level, almost beat them or even beat them, and then when you play a bottom team, you're not putting them away? I think that's something the Raiders really need to focus on. Now obviously they're in the top four this year, granted with a minus fifty five for and against. But they're just scraping home in games and it's just not gonna cut it in the postseason. When September rolls around, it's the semifinals. It's just not gonna cut it for Canberra. Uh they still have quite a bit of time, uh to fix that, but it's been happening for a few seasons now and uh, yeah, I just uh, I'm not confident that Canberra are going to turn it around this year, uh, but we will see. Obviously, that's very negative, coming from a negative standpoint. Um, like most of the th- things I'm saying this episode, obviously they're sitting in the top four. That's very good, but the point still stands. And, like, last game they beat the Dragons by 10, and that was their biggest win of the season. So it just shows that they're not really putting away teams that they should be. Um Who's next on the ladder? We have the New Zealand Warriors. Now, this is another club that's very hard to go at, and before this season, it would have been almost the easiest easiest segment to do. But um, far out, they brought they brought a rookie coach in, and he's instilled that passion um, that the Warriors have so desperately needed. Um, putting together eighty minute performances, um, not flowing in and out throughout the whole season, just being really good few weeks and a really poor few weeks. Um, and he's doing it with players that, like, Nico clockstat has come out of nowhere. Like, he, w- he wasn't even getting a start at Canberra. He, like, he couldn't crack the first grade squad. Um, Nia Corre was a bench player at Para. Like, o- all these guys are good, o- obviously good enough to be starters, right? But, he's pulled players that, probably weren't in favour at their clubs. They just instilled that passion, that Warriors passion into them that they had for quite a few years before, you know, the last decade. And it's worked out really well for them. I do just think, I know they've got RTS, I do just think they need that, that they need one more star to get the ball rolling. Um, and obviously that will come as the Warriors... You know, they're probably going to end up in the top four this year. Uh, the stars will start to be lured over by that. They can see the direction of the club is good. Um, they've got that Alpha in the forward pack, that um, Adifnoor-Blake. They've got the, the stars in two of us, Shek, in the back line. And then they've just got good role players around them. You know, your Nick clockstats your uh, Neocores, like I said. Oh, Johnson as well has turned into a star this year. But I just think they need one more guy. To really make a push for the premiership, and this has come out of nowhere. In like, there was no no chance for me that the Warriors were contending for a premiership anytime soon, but they they've, they've kind of just come out of nowhere, and I think if they can get one more star, they'll be real threats come twenty twenty four, probably twenty twenty five. I don't know if they have the cap to do it for twenty twenty four. Um, onto the Sharkies now, and. I think we all know what the problem with the Sharks is. And it's it's performances in big games. Now, let's not sugarcoat it. Last year, they beat three teams in the top eight and they came second. So, they had a pretty easy draw out in straight sets in the semis. Uh, this season, again, I don't think they are beaten a top eight team. And it's just games like last week where they got pumped by the Warriors. They weren't even in it at any point in the game. They were just... They were just totally outclassed. And yeah, it's it's just it's just not a good look for the Sharkies. Um I speak from experience. I know Manly one at top eight teams, it was top four teams in twenty twenty one. But I know what it feels like to be that fan where you're putting away teams and you're looking like the best team in the comp, but then you come up against some solid competition and you just fold. Like I know I know what it's like. And um I honestly don't know what the fix for that is. I know it's their biggest problem. I, don't, I just don't know what the fix... It's got to be a mindset thing at this point. Because there's no way you go from putting away teams by 40-plus, like the Dragons and the the Tigers, and then you go and get pumped by 30 by the Warriors. Like you, it's got to be a mindset thing where they're going, okay, this is a big game. And maybe they get nervous. Like, I'm not sure what it is. Um, Obviously... I've been very vocal about that's why I wouldn't pick Hines in the origin team just yet because of his big game performances. But at the end of the day, it's a 17-man it's, it's a seventeen man game. There's 17 blokes picked in a team that also need to stand up. You cannot rely on just your best player. And trust me as a Manly fan, I know about relying on your best player. So I think it's... it's of course, Hines has to improve his performances in these games, but the rest of the team also has to stand up. Um, it's good to see that Fitzgibbon has brought changes to this week and actually moved the team around. He doesn't, he hasn't done that a lot this year, uh, despite the performances against top eight teams. Uh, but it's good to see that he's finally done that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what, what the direction of the Sharkies looks like. Obviously, they're playing Manly this week. Um, should be a win for them. But Penrith the next week, then the Bunnies. That that will be a big test to see where the Sharks are at and how they can respond to this smashing from the Warriors and changing their team around. Um, so it'll be a very interesting watch for Cronulla. Uh, for the Parramatta Eels, I've just got inconsistency. And this has been the Parramatta Eels for... Far out, four, three or four years now, um, where they're always just sitting around, around fourth to eighth during the season, um, and they can match it or even beat teams that were considered unbeatable. Like they were the only team to take it to Penrith, not not including the grand final, but in the regular season, they beat Penrith both times um, against Melbourne. When Melbourne were considered unbeatable, they'd always find a way to beat them. Like they, they have the ability to just go out and smash teams that they should, like they should be losing to. And then suddenly everyone's on the Eels hype train again. And then they go and just beat the Titans, get smashed by the Warriors. Um, where's another game? Uh, here's an example. They smashed Saus there, but then lost the Raiders the week before that. Like, that's that's probably the best example I can give you. And lost to the Titans the week before that. So, I think Parramatta. I, I don't know what again. I don't know what the fix is here, but they've got to find a way to give it their all week in week out, and not go from uh smashing a Team that's considered very, very good to do. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? To um, getting in dogfights with uh, lower teams. Um, that's all I've got for Parramatta. Um, there's not much else I can go at them for. I think their recruitment's very good. I think their junior system's very good. So, um, yeah, we'll move on to the next team, South, and I think the fact that they are so far down on my list that I'm going off ladder is exactly like... It just... It pretty much tells you what I'm going to say. is They're too reliant on the trail. Otherwise, I, w- I would be talking about them way earlier in this list because they're down, sitting in 8th position right now. And... They were 1st or 2nd before the trail went down. Now... I know Luttrell is a superstar of the game, and obviously it's a loss for them, but your guys like your Cody Walkers, your Alex Johnstons, your your Damian Cooks, your stars of this team need to show their star ability when Luttrell's not there. And again, as a Manly fan, I know this more than anyone else, when... Your Ola Kuwatu's in that when Turbo's not there, they the they they're nowhere near as good. Your subs, your Ola Kuwatu's, etc. But it, it doesn't it it doesn't take away from the fact that it's an issue for South Sydney. Um, you go from almost being the premiership favourites, I would say, at one point to they lost to the doggies. I know they had no one. Origin players were out, whatever. Smacked by the Cowboys, lost to the Dragons, uh, lost to the Raiders, lost to Parramatta, all without Troll. And yeah, I just think, I just think they've got to find a way to be less reliant on him. Not exactly the whole team, but certain players, like like I said, your stars, like Cody Walker, needs to be the same player he is when Troll's playing, when troll's not playing. Is is my point there? um to the next team the cowboys and again it's a word that's gonna come up with a lot of these bottom teams at the moment and it's just inconsistency now cowboys it's not really inconsistency throughout games or throughout the whole season it's just inconsistency with a lot of their players form now scott drinkwater had a terrible start to the year he started to light it up reese robson I would say it wasn't great to start the year. Then it was good for a little bit. Now he's bad. No, no, he's not playing his best footy again. I wouldn't say bad. No, no, I had a bad start to the year since coming into Origin. He's been pretty good. Like, there's just too many of their players that are very good some weeks and very good week. Um, other um, very good some weeks and not very good in other weeks. So that's something they really need to look into and. How to stop that from happening because when that's happening, it's hard to get a complete performance from the Cowboys because sometimes in whatever week some of your players may be in good form and some of them may be in bad form. There's not that. there's been maybe one week and it was against the Tigers, a severely understrength Tigers team that I thought the Cowboys were all on at the same time and They just need to find a way to make that happen more throughout the season, especially if they want to make a late push for the eight. Now, the Newcastle Knights, I just think their issue is how indecisive their management is. And there's a lot of examples I could give you, but the one I'm going to use is the Kalen Ponga situation. They've moved Kalen Ponga to six now three times. And all three times it hasn't worked, and they've moved him back to fullback. Now, they brought in a very, very capable guy at fullback in Lachlan Miller. And now he, because he decided to sign with the Knights, and because the Knights told him, yep, Ponga's moving to six, whatever, Lachlan Miller is now probably out of an NRL career because of it. Because they decided to move Ponga to six. They told Miller, they promised him the fullback spot. And you know what? He wasn't even bad. He absolutely killed it at fullback. And the Knights just went, and it was probably the right move to keep full fullback in the end, but they, they decided to move him to six and then they moved him back to fullback and suddenly Miller's out of an NRL career and he's talking about going to Super League. It's just, I don't think it's good enough from the Knights. Um, it affects not only other players in the team, it affects the rest of the squad. They now have to train with a different spine, different kind of play style to the team instead of the razzle-dazzle it's more well i mean ponger is razzle-dazzle but lock on mill is just pure x-factor and that was it but um yeah pongers at least a more structured fullback um you know what in at six was a completely different play style to you know your pongers or your millers that you could have had at six um yeah it's just Knights need to be more decisive with what they're doing, even the Kaln Ponga contract situation they gave him one point four million if they were just decisive, yep, you get I reckon Ponga would have to resign for less money than that, but I just think it's costing them a little bit um they need to get some reps into this team, some consistent reps, whereas not just changing the whole team around and the whole spine around every <laughs> every half a season but um yeah that that'd be my. My go-to for Newcastle if I'm looking into how I can improve. Obviously, they've got a few good signings like Kai-Pierce Port, Will Price coming over from the Super League next year. So, let's hope that they can uh, be more decisive with their team, uh, get a fully healthy season from Caelan, and, uh, yeah, hopefully make a push for the eight. Uh, it'd be good to see the Knights doing, doing good again. Now, for Manly, my own team, I've been very vocal about this, is the Management. The management of the team right now is terrible. Um, I don't think they care. That's that. That's my take on it. Um, everyone was warned about the shit show that Anthony Seabold was before he signed with Manly. And I really thought, you know what? He could turn his career around. He's a good coach at South. Anthony Seabold's managed by Isaac Moses. We had two Isaac Moses players when... Um, Sebold signed. Uh, we now have nine on contract for 2024. Uh, he signed Cooper Johns. He signed Aaron Woods. Um, and he signed Matt Lodge this season. We've also got Brooks and Talao coming, who are also Isaac Moses managed players. Jackson Paulo obviously with Crown management now, but he was with Isaac Moses. Um, and yeah, I'm just... It, it's so obvious what's going on here. It, the same thing happened at Brisbane when their club went to shit. Um, it's so obvious that Sebald, Moses and Mestrov, they just want a profit and they're using Manly to do it. Um, Moses gets his players in there and, and that's it. Like, There's no other logical explanation for what's going on right now. And then you get Manly coming out and releasing a statement of how many players are managed by each management and they completely they completely left out the fact that you know we only had two isaac moses managed players before Sebold signed and they completely left out the fact that we had three more coming next season um we're also looking into blake green as our assistant coach to replace shane flanagan but uh you know what he's also managed by isaac moses so I don't know what the direction of this club is, but um looks like it's too late to fix. We lost the Fainu boys who were the future of our club. We lost Falletti, who was a future center of the club. Um we let Myers go to Newcastle Knights. Um basically our whole junior system's been ripped to shreds as well. So I don't know, there's not there's not much positives for for me fans at the moment. I know that's morbid to say, but it's just true. At least Broncos, when they got rid of Seabold um, and that whole shit show, they still had a junior system and a bunch of young guys coming through. You had your Kerrigan's, Haas was still there, um, your Mams, um, Cobo, Like They still had good players coming through the systems, whereas Manly's junior systems was being decimated to accommodate for Isaac Moses' players. Oh, I, I forgot Villiami for Feeder as well. So... We'll see how mainly goes, but um, the management at the moment is by far and large their biggest issue. Um, we have one, two, three, four, five, six more teams to go, so I will try to get through them quickly. This one's obviously been off for 30 minutes now. For the Titans, I think it's just 80-minute performances. Uh, there's a stat at the start of the year where the Titans would have been leading the comp if the game finished at halftime. Um... Because they were very good in the first half and their actual ladder position was 14th because they just kept blowing games over and over again. I think they need to find some consistent performances from their team. Obviously with Desi going up there, hopefully that helps. Um and yeah, the experience of foreign and that will obviously play a big role in that one. For the Dolphins, I just think it's conditioning. Like their players, they were so they were overachieving so much this year. And They've been decimated by injuries. Obviously O'Sullivan did he, um yeah, Sean O'Sullivan did his peck. Uh Branco Lee is missing so much time. Uh Tessie New had the MCO injury and a few other niggles around there. Uh JMK's got this shoulder problem. There was just a lot of injuries throughout the squad and they're having to go to their third, their fourth, their fifth string just to just to cover for it pretty much. And another thing I want to touch on is why is Hammer moved to the centre? Like he was ki- like he was killing it at fullback all year. He just pretty much him Asako, like in those losses, in those big losses that they took, him and Osaka were pretty much the only shining lights. You and Aitken has been incredible this year and I know Nikarima was good while O'Sullivan was out, but you don't move Hammer just to accommodate for him. What has Hammer done in the centres since since he got moved at club level? And, of, and you're obviously moving him to the centres in origin for Reese Walsh, not Cody Nikarima. So, that'd be my look in for the Dolphins. For the Roosters, it's for the love of God, stop moving players out of position. Sam Walker should never have been dropped, and when he was dropped, that was the end of their season. Like, they, they just haven't recovered. They moved Manu to six. Manu, not a ball player, just has a running game, wasn't confident at six, and the team... Just sucked with him at six. And it's not because Manu's a bad player. It's just he's out of position. You also got guys like Radley still in the second row. Why? Um, like, Sawali in the centers. He, like, they showed. he Sawali showed that he wasn't a center all year. Manu showed that he wasn't a six all year. And they kept persisting with it. They've finally gone back to it. But Walker's done his ACL. Well, sprained his ACL. So they can't get back to full strength and if they were doing this early in the season i can't help but feel like they would be the premiership contenders that everyone was predicting them to be and also this whole thing about manu at fullback is just ridiculous like i get that he runs 300 meters and 30 meter um 30 runs for 300 meters a game but is it really helping his team Yes, he gets involved. Yes, I mean, it helps the fitness of the other players. They don't have to do as much work because Manu takes on that workload. But again, he's not the fastest. He's quick, but he's not the fastest. And he can't ball play. I mean, he can't, but his he's playing is nowhere near the level that a fullback needs to be. Sure, he's racking up crazy stats, but it's not helping the Roosters. And it's not helping New Zealand. Like New Zealand, he was player of the comp because he kept running for 300 metres, whatever. But New Zealand weren't in the grand final, which they were expected to be with the World Cup. So, there's just. It's, it's just stupid. Just play people in position. Manu is best used. Give him early ball in the centres. Let him use his strength. Let him use his, you know, hard running ability to go forward like that. Um, really going over time here now. Dragon's board. 100% it's the board. Um, first thing, Jack DeBell in captaincy. He was found innocent. They lost their major sponsors for that. And then they just make Blake Laurie, who plays about 40 minutes a game, captain. Okay, whatever. Ben Hunt doesn't want to be there. Make sure he stays. Nobody shows up to his 300 dinner. Crazy. Um, uh, I know Griffin wasn't great. They kept Griffin around for way too long. And then... They basically told him that, they told the media that he had to reapply for his job. Like well, I mean, that's unfair on a bloke. Um, no matter where you stand, last two teams. Sorry, I'm running through this quick because these are supposed to be 20 to 30 minutes, and I'm definitely over that at the moment. Uh, for the Bulldogs, I've just got Gus Gould and pretty much everyone just blowing smoke up their ass. Like... To any sane rugby league fan, they were going to be nowhere near the eight this year. They're still in the rebuilding phase, but yeah, had Albanese coming out telling everyone they're going to be in the grand final. You had Gould saying that they were going to make a run for the eight, and then you have him coming out now saying, "Oh no, no, we we still knew it would be a tough year." Then apparently he told Sarriado not to come this year because it would be because he knew it would be a bad year. What, Gus Gould? Why, why is he like? I know. He's a great of rugby league commentary. Whatever you want to say about Gus Gould, right? But he doesn't need to be coming out and talking this much. He needs to be working behind the scenes of a club. Look at what Ben Ayton did to the Broncos. B- Broncos were in shit, and Ben Ayton came to the club, got rid of all, all the cancer that was at the club, and look where they're sitting now. And then he just quietly retires and becomes Queensland. Not retires, leaves that, and then becomes a the Queensland commissioner or whatever he is now Gus Gould is just constantly talking about the Bulldogs like the best management are guys that you don't hear from that's all I'm saying if you know who your clubs if if you hear your club CEO talking or anything like that often in the media generally they're not the best run clubs that's all I'm going to say um for the Tigers, uh it's just junior talent. Uh obviously they're improving it now and um they're signing they're actually signing a lot of good young players, but um at least in recent years or when I wrote this down, um before the Fenu signed, um they had an issue with not just developing junior talent, but keeping junior talent. And um, that was something that I think uh, player managers realized the Tigers weren't on the best uh, pathway to success. So they got their players out of there quickly. But I think that should change for the Tigers now um, due to the fact that their club's heading in the right direction. They've got some good experienced players. They have some very, very good young stars. And, um, yeah, that's all I've got for the Tigers. So thank you, boys, um, for listening. I'll come out with another super pod next week. So will Tom. But um, stay tuned for the Sunday potty. Um, Should be a good one. Talking about pretenders and contenders. uh, It'll have both of us in it. So thanks for that, boys. Uh, Stay blessed. And I'll see you later.